This is Not Quite Dead, a gal pal horror movie discussion podcast. We do deep dives on our favorite scary movies, but sometimes we really just like to keep it shallow. I'm your host, Kate. I'm Megan. Get ready for all the spoilers. Are you a Twilight Zone person? I'm a huge Twilight Zone person. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Just wondering. (laughs) I love it so much. When I was a kid, my family would watch Twilight Zone marathons that they would do around the holidays. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I have seen a ton of Twilight Zone episodes. What about you? My first experience with Twilight Zone was actually in seventh grade. Uh, We had this... Uh, English teacher, Mr. Sanchez, who showed us a couple and uh, we we discussed them in class. One of them was Eye of the Beholder. Mm-hmm. And the other one, I can't remember what it's called, but it's with the two girls who are buddies and one of them has gone through a beauty transformation and the other one hasn't yet. So they were both about outward beauty. <laughs> um, That's so that funny. Reflects. Yeah. It's so specific. Was it like a like a health class or just like an English class? It was just English class. I don't remember yeah. why, but I was like, oh, oh, this is Twilight Zone. This is cool. Um, I had always watched the revamp of Outer Limits with my dad. For some reason, we we didn't watch Twilight Zone, but he, he loves Twilight Zone. Funny enough, I have never seen Outer Limits. The old one or the new one? Neither. Yeah, I got hooked on the new one as a kid, and and I tried going back and watching the old one, and it was like too late. I had already <laughs> seen the new one. I was used to it. Same with the flip side uh, for Twilight Zone. I, I haven't tried, bothered with any of the new ones. Yeah, I know there is the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone that I've heard good things about, but I just I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I do. I am interested in seeing that, and also his Lovecraft Country. That sounds really, it looks really great. I've watched a few episodes of Lovecraft Country and it's really good. Oh, cool. I'll yeah. To add that to the list. It's like kind of hard to watch in some ways. Yeah. But I, I've only seen a few episodes, so I can't speak for the full season. It seems pretty fitting that we would have squeezed this into our space season. There are quite a few space themed Twilight Zone episodes here to choose from I know there are so many I really appreciated Megan that you went through and did a little like a moose-bouche list of (laughs) space themed Twilight Zone episodes for us to to look through and we both kind of cherry-picked our our own favorite episodes to want to talk about for this mini-sode yeah, I'm, uh, I am I knew exactly which one I wanted to do. It was the first one that sprang into my mind as soon as we uh, came up with this prompt for ourselves. I had the same feeling, too, where I remembered this episode uh, vividly. I remembered watching it as a kid and just being struck by um, how interesting it was. It's a total classic Twilight Zone episode. And then when you and I were discussing which episodes we were going to watch – 
I completely forgot the name of the episode. And so I picked an episode <laughs> that had a <laughs> topically very similar name. <laughs> and so inadvertently had us watch um, the wrong episode and then course corrected to watch the right episode. <laughs> Should we each go over which episode we chose? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, my episode was called People Are Alike All Over. Um, and it's about these two scientists who are traveling to Mars, you know, for the sake of discovery and science, just to see what's out there. One of them is a pessimist and the other one is the optimist. Optimist gets it. <laughs> <laughs> and our pessimist survives to um, meet the folks who are living on Mars who look just like us as the title states except they're wearing uh togas and like sandals in the middle of the desert mars has uh an atmosphere apparently because our our explorer is able to venture outside without a a helmet (laughs) and uh and the martians are you know hey come with us we can uh fix your ship and give you a place to rest they take him to what looks like an earth house it's like a perfect 50s house and he finds out that he is actually living in a martian zoo and and there he will remain for the rest of his days <laughs> oh Super it's dark. such a classic such a good episode mine was the invaders which i had mistaken for the little people understandably which- Understandably, once I tell you the plot summary, <laughs> The Invaders, um, season two, episode 15, the summary is pretty straightforward. There is a woman, uh, an older woman who lives alone. Um, she is like so many people in the Twilight Zone, especially in these space episodes um, in the middle of a desert, um, in a pretty ramshackle cabin, taking care of herself when a spacecraft lands on her roof and it's super small it's only maybe a couple feet wide and these teeny tiny little six inch spacemen in these silver spacesuits come out and the whole episode is this dialogue free there's no speaking in this episode except for Rod Serling's narration at the beginning and at the end otherwise it's just music and like ambient noises as this woman is trying to defend herself against these two invaders. Uh, The woman um, is able to overcome them because they're only six inches tall, uh, destroying their ship at the end of the episode. That's when the big twist comes in uh, because you can hear um, the other part of dialogue where the captain starts radioing back And you realize like, oh, he's speaking English and he's radioing back. And the camera pans around and you see that the ship is uh, from U.S. Air Force. And so she is she is the alien and it is the Earthlings who are the invaders. Dun, dun, dun. It's such a Twilight Zone twist. (laughs) It is. There's so many like that where you think you're watching a person, but it turns out you're watching an alien i know i i think that there's some really interesting thematic things that they're doing with that where it's like oh you're empathizing with someone who 
looks like you and is acting like you and responds like you. And then the kind of gut punch that like, no, they're actually an alien. They kind of use it against some of the characters in some ways. Like, and people are like all over, like these guys actually end up being pretty evil at the end. So what made you pick your episode for our space themed Twilight Zone episode? I picked it because I really like how a vast majority of the episode has no dialogue in it. It's the opening narration um, and then a long stretch, like 20 minutes before you get the ending with the captain radioing in and then Rod Serling's closing narration immediately after that. And so it's just watching the body language and this like cat and mouse interplay between this woman and this invader. Um, I like that the woman is kind of uncharacteristically not a damsel in distress for a Twilight Zone um, episode. Um, (laughs) It's like early 60s. So a lot of times the women in this show are like completely helpless Um, And I love that she like looks kind of like a witch crone lady (laughs) with her like (laughs) big ass soup pot and her knives on her wall, (laughs) her long, long, gross fingernails. Uh, And I just love it because it's just such a classic Twilight Zone twist ending. It's um, one of those ones where I think modern audiences watch it and you can see it from like a mile away. Like where like, you know, there's a twist coming. That's how these episodes work. And so you could guess maybe pretty early on, but. I just remember being a kid and like being genuinely surprised by it. So it's just an old favorite of mine. Yeah. She seems like a descendant of like some old pioneer type ladies. You know, she, I mean, obviously she's not since she's not on earth, but she's got that can do spirit Mm -hmm. in her. Why did you pick yours? People are like all over is a uh, the concept of this episode is something that really scares me a lot um, to this day. Not necessarily being kidnapped by Martians, but the idea that one could be kidnapped and taken away from everything they know and love and be doomed to live in a box, basically. I mean, we hear about kidnapping and and sexual slavery and things of that nature all the time obviously living in a zoo isn't that bad but um it's really terrifying for me to think about the idea of being away from zach being away from you everything i love (laughs) all my knitting whatever (laughs) and never getting to see it again and having a long life Mm. I, I, I think it would take me a long time to, I would either take a very long time to commit suicide or I would just exist in a very depressed state. And um, it, it gets to me thinking about this episode, thinking about that guy stuck on another planet with no hope of ever going home. Mm. It's so interesting because I picked mine based on nostalgia I wasn't I know that I know that this is a horror movie podcast and I think that I'm kind of recognizing right now that I don't think I think of Twilight Zone as scary although it is like I I think that I'm just so familiar with it that I'm just like oh it's just like interesting little vignettes that have twists to them um I wasn't really thinking of it in terms of like oh which one of these scares me 
I think it depends. I think some of them are kind of scary and some are just, oh, here's something to think about. This mm-hmm. one in particular really just, it scares you on a existential level. And there's a lot of Twilight Zone episodes that are existential. That one that um, we were sent by a cool friend of yours, an occurrence at Owl, what was it? An occur- occurrence at Owl Bridge, mm-hmm. I think is what it was called. I watched that right before we uh, recorded and it was the same thing. It, it, it's long. It's not long. Sorry, it's 23 minutes. But the narrative is all the way up until the end. You don't know what, what wrong is happening, right? Mm-hmm. This guy is running from his executioners. And at the very end, you realize, oh, he, this is all in his head right before he gets hung. And it's, ugh, it's so gutting. I felt so bad for him, even though I think he's a confederate, but still. Still a person. <laughs> I felt like yeah. that. I think that if I'm thinking about what things are existentially scary, I think the episode I shot an arrow into the air would tick that box for me. Um, that's one where we have our four astronauts who um, crash land their ship and they're on in an this, asteroid, like, of course, on an asteroid, of course. And um, they have limited supplies and um, they know that they don't have enough water for all of them. And one of them dies and there's only three of them. And then two of them go off and one of them comes back and it's very dark. And the twist at the end um, is like they like kind of go over like a ridge or something and they realize that they're like right outside of Reno. <laughs> I had so much FOMO when I saw that sign. I was like, I want to go to Reno. <laughs> I, love I know Reno. <laughs> Meg's favorite place. She loves Reno. Um, no, but the like part that I find so horrifying about that is the thought of being in a situation where it's life or death and you have people that you're like, well, we're going to have to let this person die if the rest of us are going to survive, you know, and to then have that gut punch of, oh, if we had just had a little bit broader perspective, if we had just known this one piece of information, none of this would have gone like that. And I think that's what I find scary. Yeah, this is one of those episodes where it's like, ugh, if only they had cell phones, this would have been fine. Right. The fact (laughs) that they have the tech enough to think that they're crash landed on an asteroid but not the tech to understand that they're like right outside of reno is bonkers <laughs> i was thinking that too like didn't your didn't your monitors tell you something was up why do you think you're in outer space yeah so it wasn't actually they didn't actually land on an asteroid but um it was like accepted that they landed on an asteroid because so many of these are shot um on what should be an asteroid and it's it's really just the desert it's there yeah. it's cheap they're all <laughs> shot in like death valley it's all like scrub brush and like hills <laughs> way out in the distance like every single one of these like space ones which was the thing i thought was interesting is when we were talking about the list we were debating a little bit about what counts as a space movie and how would you define what a space movie is well, yeah, because we, we had this issue when we were planning out this season, right? I wanted to do Event Horizon, and I wanted to do um, Killer Clowns and, and The Blob. But 
these all also fit into other categories, right? They they didn't necessarily just have to do with space. Um, and so for this for this episode selection, I realized very quickly that none of these episodes only take place in space. Like none none of these take place inside a spaceship. Um, nobody does any spacewalks. It's it's all very <laughs> inside and on a on a meteor or sorry an asteroid and so my criteria for this was cannot take place on earth like no Mm -hmm. one can land on earth so that was how I narrowed it down to this list and then out of that list I just wanted to go with the one that affected me the most Mm -hmm. what about you yeah I was thinking about it and I think that for space movies, I do think that space is a critical element to it. I think that having an alien is not as necessary. I mean, we've seen space movies already that do not have aliens in them, right? Like Sunshine does not have an alien in it, but it's a space horror movie. And so I think that if you have an alien presence or like a UFO sighting on earth or something, I would categorize that as an invasion movie, which I don't Mm -hmm. think that this season is about invasions of like other races or species, like coming to earth so much as it is about humanity venturing into space and then finding horrifying things out there. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of how I was thinking about it. I had to come around to that, though, because at first I was like, oh, if it has aliens, then that's like from space. But I think that I would say a human being's got to get into a ship and try to get somewhere to count as a space movie. Right. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. And, and, you know, for this for this show, we had to kind of stretch that a bit. I know um, third from the sun, it, you find out again <laughs> that this takes place on another planet rather than earth but you only see them get into a spaceship at the very end for like a minute or two when they're when they're trying to find a new place to live which is earth Mm -hmm. and I was like ah that's kind of stretching it but it has to count it fits my criteria (laughs) yeah (laughs) what do you think of the overall style of Twilight Zone like how their acting is (laughs) This comes up a lot when I'm when I'm watching and it does make me appreciate the episode you chose so much more because I think there's a lot of writing in this show that doesn't feel authentic. It doesn't feel the way people actually talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And so for yours, you know, we get to see this woman just do. Uh, she she emotes through her actions instead of her words, and uh, it felt a lot more real. Um, I I I I don't know. How do you feel about Twilight Zone acting? I, I feel like it's a little, a little out there. It is very theatrical. I think that the i idea of naturalistic acting had not really taken hold yet so I think that people were still trained for the stage like I think a lot of actors like in the Twilight Zone were trained for like formal theater productions and I think that the way that Twilight Zone is scripted and kind of presented they're presented as these like 
vin like a like a glimpse like a vignette into a situation uh very like parable like and so it's not natural at all and i find it very fun some of these episodes are super funny with the way that they like talk to each other and you're like no one talks like that <laughs> i could <laughs> imagine reading that but i can't like imagine ever saying something like that to someone yeah it is really funny when you read it on a page even when i read stephen king it's like it makes sense when i read it but when you say it out loud sometimes it's just like who talks like that <laughs> who says that <laughs> and and this this and and not just this show but movies from around this time period and prior are are kind of in the same boat with with the writing yeah mm -hmm. i do like that yours was written by rod serling yes yeah, his yeah. are always so good. Yeah. Yeah, they're really good. And he's written, I mean, he's written so many things, but I I do appreciate that. Mine was not written by Rod Serling. I think that the Rod Serling episodes, especially in season one, just like have such mm -hmm. a punch to them. Yeah, I love season one. Season four, he wasn't involved with at all. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, he, he left uh, the show for a season. He did the intros and, and outros, but... um. He didn't write any of it. Yeah, so interesting. It's so funny to think about the like showrunners coming in and out. We are pretty familiar with that in, you know, like, um, in, you know, Seinfeld, like Larry David, like left for a minute there and like came back. And uh, so we're just kind of used to it in the industry. But mm -hmm. Twilight Zone feels like such an institution. Like Rod, Rod can't leave. <laughs> yeah. He's the whole show. <laughs> He just, yeah, I guess he just felt like he was running out of ideas, which is so sad to think about. He was so cute. Side note. <laughs> With his big masculine eyebrows. Yeah. 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 I really um, like in these space episodes how the twist, um, not in all of them, but in a lot of them, is related to how the aliens look just like humans uh and so sometimes you're watching it and you're not sure if you're actually watching an earthling or if you're watching a martian what do you think that kind of twist would say to an audience i was thinking about that a lot because i you know i queued all these up my list um and watched them all in a row and i was like god this is a twist a lot how did people not see this coming? But of course, you know, they're interspersed with other episodes. I think Rod, <laughs> you know, I think he was a libtard like us. And uh, he, I think he wanted to push some progressive ideals in his show. And I think uh, part of this is, you know, aliens are, are aliens. Fine. They can be taken literally. But I also think figuratively aliens are just people who are different people who aren't from where you're from people who aren't part of your clan and uh and they're just like us and we need to remember that and uh treat each other with respect or not assume too much i think it's a pretty radical idea that they're putting out there in this show i mean they're in the throes of the space race right so it's cosmonauts versus nasa at this point trying to get to the moon as quickly as possible so there's this like fervor in the air and i think that it's radical in the sense that for so long people believe that 
it's us, right? It's, it's it. It's just humans on earth. And so when they try to think about what's out there in the universe, it's, you know, little green Martians or like a man on the dark side of the moon. It's not conscientiously thinking of intelligent life. And so it feels to me like they're really trying to assert the idea that like this is a large universe and intelligent life (laughs) could look like us. Like it could look just like us and act like us and do the same shitty Mm -hmm. things that we do. Um, Who knows? And so I I like it. And I like that the (laughs) idea that it was trying to put this idea out into people's heads that like, you know, there's there's a huge universe out there and there's a lot of things in it. On the flip side, I also think that it was a way to save money. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> by <laughs> not having to design different <laughs> characters and different alien uh, looks and aesthetics. And I say this because there are so many episodes where the aliens look like human. There, There's a few. There's a handful where the aliens have giant heads or they're really tall or something. But most of them are just people, but larger right, or smaller right. or the same or in togas. Yeah. And I think that does sort of tie into the set design piece we were talking about earlier, where it's always set in a <laughs> desert on an asteroid. <laughs> it's just what's right. cheap and They available. were big fans of painted backdrops. The aliens look like people. <laughs> the spaceships themselves um, are very perfunctory. There's like maybe like a corner of a spaceship in a shot to like show you um, that they came from space. Um, but but <laughs> but they don't really spend a lot of time on the tech. Uh, and I love that their spacesuits are so flimsy and they generally don't have full helmets. <laughs> They just have like no. little. Like, they just assume. Right, they're like. <laughs> there's atmosphere wherever they go. I feel like that was not as big of a concern back then. And there's part of me that loves the like lack of realism. I feel like sometimes we get like so hung up on like, oh my gosh, if you were in space and you yanked on this thing and there was no gravity, you'd spin off in the other direction. And I'm like, I'm not an astronaut. I don't actually know these things. Like, yeah. Put a dude in a bike helmet in the desert and tell me he's on Mars. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, let me just have my escape. <laughs> the ships always have one of two designs. One, they're flying yes. saucer, which I I always find funny when it's an Earth ship that's right. shaped like a flying saucer. Because no. we don't make those. Maybe we should. Or Maybe or we should make flying saucers. Maybe we would <laughs> yeah. have gotten to Mars already if we yeah. had flying saucers. Jeez, NASA. Well, yeah, I guess since we didn't really have a crew for this episode, we can't do MVP or LVP. Um, And there isn't a whole lot of earthling tech that is played with because, as we talked about, the sets are pretty simple. There's not a lot of time spent on the tech at all. Yeah, well, just kind of glaze over that segment. My friend Jeff did send us a few kind of bonus interesting Twilight Zone episodes that um, we can or Twilight Zone adjacent episodes that um, we'll link to on the blog. We, we mentioned one of them earlier. And um, I think that, I mean, Twilight Zone is so fun. Um, there's so many, I mean, there's so many episodes in general. 
And uh, once you start coming through for these like space related ones, there's just, there's a ton of them. I don't even know if we can rate these. I, it's, uh, uh, I don't know either. <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think so. <laughs> I think that they're just they're like, it's... they're like, it's Twilight Zone. You can't rate it. It just is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It gets five Twilights out of five zones. That's what it gets. Oh, yes. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, if you want to catch up on Twilight Zone, you can see it on Netflix or better yet, Hulu, because Hulu has season four and Netflix does not. So I do recommend combing through their catalog. And next week, we have a super fun episode talking about Pandorum. So make sure to tune in. This was not quite dead. Check out our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Not Quite Dead Podcast and on Twitter at NQD underscore podcast. Follow our blog for bonus content at notquitedeadpodcast.com. Thanks for listening and happy watching. Mm-hmm.